0: Welcome to For the Life of Me podcast, where I share musings and perspectives on how we really, truly live a life divine. Even in a world of so much suffering, we can find a way to connect directly to source and transcend the human condition to expand into spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. I'm Julie Pyatt, your host. Thanks so much for joining me. Your life... Hello, beautiful cosmic family. It's such a blessing to connect across the planetary airwaves of this beloved medium, the podcast. I adore it. I love it. I love you. Um, thank you for tuning in. I have a really, really special surprise for you this week. Uh, I'm welcoming my dear friend, and spiritual ally and and cosmic sister of the beautiful Tracy Stanley to join me today um, to talk about her new book, Radiant Rest, and Yoga Nidra, how we can uh, experience spirituality as the ultimate activism. So thanks so much for joining me, and Tracy, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's so great to hear
1: your voice and to be here with you. So grateful.
0: Oh, honey. Well, so just to give you a little background on Tracy and Srimati. So we met, I guess we met in the yoga rooms, but um, I have been a a blessed student in your class many, many times. Um, You're just, you're such an extraordinary um, present uh, guiding wise teacher, Tracy, (laughs) Mm. and you're, you know, really, it's like, you know, you just, when you experience you, like, I just know that you mean it. Like, like you are really, really rooted and connected with your heart and soul, uh, into this experience of, of discovering the truth of who we are, uh, beyond all duality and all illusion, Um, but also just a a beautiful, guiding, balancing, uh, calming force. So thank you for being on the planet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Srimati, I love love, uh, your reflection, and I really appreciate that. And I really feel the same about you. I remember the first time I think you were in one of my classes, and there was just something about the the aura and the space around you, I was like, Oh, this is a deep practitioner. This is someone (laughs) who is not messing around with their spiritual
0: practice. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've been known to mean it. I actually mean it. Um, Yes. Yeah. So listen, so one of the amazing things is that, you know, you have um, of all the things that you've studied and experienced because you've been you know, deep in your own sadhana, your own journey and your own exploration through many techniques and many modalities, pranayama and you know, lots of other type of asana and trainings and meditations. But let's get right to yoga nidra because I really want to use the time to really give the listeners the blessing of learning about this ancient, absolutely transcendent, practice. Thank you. Yeah. So
1: yoga nidra is, it's a beautiful practice. It's one of, I feel, the most accessible practices of yoga because a lot of times when we think about yoga, we think about the poses and the postures and those poses and postures are not for everyone. But yoga nidra is known as the yoga of sleep. And there's a deeper translation that I really feel like gives it, gives you like a little kind of window into what's possible with Yoga Nidra. So the word Nidra comes from two words, ni and dru. And ni means void, and dru means to draw forth from or to mm. reveal. Mm. And so it's just, you know, Yoga Nidra is this journey to the void. It's a journey through all of the states of consciousness, through waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and then eventually to the fourth state, which is known as Turiya. And that space is the space of no thought, of non doing. And I really feel like, you know, Yoga Nidra is this full system of yoga. And, and not that I feel like it is, it is a full system of yoga. It encompasses all the eight limbs of yoga. And so if we think about yoga nidra as this, something that's similar to the state of samadhi as a state of consciousness, as opposed to a technique, we realize that we actually get to go to sleep to wake up
0: to that, which is eternal as a practice. Mm. Just gorgeous. So I'm just going to interject right now. So that's so beautifully, and you guys can hear her gorgeous presence and her voice and the calm state that Tracy is embodying and carrying with her. So just to break it down into a really practical sort of example before she continues, because I want to know, I want to know more and more. Um, so yoga nidra is is this lucid sleeping practice, and I first found it through the school of Bihar. Um, Bihar yoga books, which are classical texts that I cannot recommend enough. If you love yoga, if you consider yourself a yoga practitioner, all of their books are literally gold. Um, But there's a particular practice, yoga nidra. And uh, what it is, is is it's it's a visualization, right? So there's an audio or there's a teacher speaking live. And the reason that it's so accessible is that you don't have to have a sitting practice To experience yoga nidra you also don't have to have an asana practice you don't have to be able to do a handstand like Tracy was saying it's very accessible so in this practice you simply lie down and listen to the guide now the way that these practices are crafted they take your awareness around your body um, and I teach this on retreat with Rich in Italy, and it's always one of the favorite experiences of, of people, you know, during the week. Um, but you take your consciousness around your body in a certain order, and it's you know, in my in my experience, it's like taking the witness god, the observer consciousness throughout the entire organism. And one of the amazing things that, that happens is uh the The directive is you must stay awake, so you are lying down, but you you are if there's a goal you are the intention is to stay awake during this journey around the body in and visualizing certain things and 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 feeling certain sensations and inevitably someone falls asleep and starts snoring in in the class like it's 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 common very common right. But also, even those that don't fall asleep, um, you could think, I was awake for the entire process. And then when you do it another time, you will hear sections you never heard before. So I'm going to stop there. So Tracy, um, tell us a little bit about that experience and, and why and how that happens.
1: Mm. So that's a great description. And, and I guess the question we really need to ask is, what does it mean to be awake? Because there is a part of us that is always awake, even when we are in deep, deep dreamless sleep. Mm, I love that. And that is the part of us that we are connecting to when we practice Yoganidra. Mm. that this thread of awareness, this thread of wakefulness, which is that part of us that is our inner knowing is our inner guide, our inner teacher. That's the thread that weaves through the entire practice as you are listening to the sounds around you and then eventually letting go of the sounds and all of the senses. And eventually when you're following the directions and you're watching, right? You you talked about this witness consciousness, right? Who is the one that is watching? Yes. We get to separate ourselves from the ego from the i from the i am the one that's doing this practice mm-hmm. and that's... you know at its core yoganidra is a practice of dissolution it's a journey that moves us from the most gross awareness of who
0: we are to the most subtle mm. It's reminding me. Um, you know, I'm often talking with my my. I almost use the word clients with those who come to me for guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could say students or 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 friends along the path, and I often talk about because we have so much. Um, as a as a collective, we have so much self judgment and so much really violence that the mind inflicts upon our bodies and different Mm. judgments and analyses and things like this. And I often talk about the sun, you know, the sun is shining on every living life form without cessation, even when we don't see it, it is eternal, Mm -hmm. it is infinite, and it is always present. And it does not care if you are a homeless person, or you are Mother Teresa, it doesn't, there's no difference in the radiance. There's no difference in the power of that frequency. And when you just describe that, that last passage to me, it reminds me of like Yoga Nidra connecting you to that presence that is always on. It's always present, right? Of which we are a part. That is absolutely the thing. <laughs>
1: that is <laughs> that it. it. That is it and once you taste that radiance because when we think about this this process of dissolution yoganidra is this practice of pratyahara right we usually think about pratyahara as withdrawal of the senses and it's really withdrawal of the senses so that we can reassimilate into our origin that's gorgeous our origin is our is the radiance Mm -hmm. And once you taste that, just for even a millisecond, then you know who you truly are, and no one can take that experience and that knowing away from you.
0: Mm. That's just beautiful.
1: And in that knowing, though, because you talked about judgment, in that knowing, it really starts to dissolve some of the judgment that we have and some of the mental constructs that we have about ourselves that we then project onto other people and other situations. It starts to change the perspective, I feel, of the whole of your life, which is why this practice is so powerful. Yeah. And
0: um, so let's talk a little bit about... um the physical. Okay. So Yo- yoga need has been very inspiring to me as a, as a teacher and as a guide. Um, there were parts of it that just really traveled to a very deep place. And, and one of the prompts that stuck with me is this whole body awareness, right? Mm. Somewhere in, and I'm not sure how your journey is. I'm excited to practice it and learn more, but we're talking about isolating the body parts in certain ways. And so there's one prompt where you're, you're experiencing your body as whole body. And so I use this prompt in my yoga practice. I'm always prompting whole body breathes, whole Mm. body breathing, whole Mm. body breathing. So that's one of the things that, that really, really has rung true for me with yoga Nidra that has permeated into other aspects of, of my practice.
1: So the, the prompts are, they vary according to tradition and according to lineage. Um, and so my first introduction was through, um, kind of a version of Bihar. And then I studied the Himalayan, uh, tradition of yoga nidra. And then I am, uh, tradition, the Amrit Desai uh, tradition and then a lot of reading of um, some of the IRES materials. and and I agree with you that this this whole body breathing is such a beautiful practice because it brings you into the awareness of the fullness of who you are. And at the same time, we have this awareness of the body right? Which is most of us, right? We walk around and we're like, okay, this is who I am, this body. But as you start to practice things like whole body breathing and whole body awareness, you start to realize that you're more than just the physical body, that there is an energy that's moving. And this energy, we can call it prana, vital life force, is animating the body. And that it and then for me, at least my experience has been with Yoganidra, is that at some point in practice years ago, I started to realize, oh, wait a second, this energy extends beyond my physical body. And I actually have this energetic body. And I can feel the pulsation and the movement and the frequency of this energetic body that I never really had an awareness of before. So what started to happen was that I became aware of prana in a way that I had never understood before. And I think that that is something that is really profound in our practice when we realize that we have this energetic body that extends, they say in the teachings, 12
0: inches away from the physical body. Yeah, that's extraordinary. And what a, you know, that is, that is the gift of the t- of the technique because um it it provides that experience for you to drop into the subtleties and it works on subconscious levels. Like it's not something you can read about in a book and it's not really something you can do by moving your physical body. It's a different sort of a different entry into uh, you know, the consciousness that is animating you or different sensitivities as we start to feel and when i'm using whole body breathing you know one of my my awarenesses is that we are in our own self-sustainable ecosystems like if you ask somebody to think of themselves they might just think of their head or their head and their shoulders but if we understand that we can embody an entire form as a divine instrument the consciousness can be alive in your toenails in your teeth in your eyeballs in your spine in the back of your legs and so we're experience it gives us a chance to experience life as a whole feeling sentient being connected to nature connected to the cosmos and now it reminds me what i was on track to say earlier and that is that when you put this consciousness through the body because our presence is consciousness and it carries the perfection of the gaze of the one breath or the sun or God or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I've developed techniques in, in my water tiger community where we're taking the consciousness through the body as a means of lighting up all the channels and all the systems and all the organs to be communicating with each other. So in a way, we use a sort of hybrid um, yoga nidra practice to bring the awareness online in the body. Um, I often say, if we don't embody our life form, and I'm talking about physical and energetic bodies, and in my work, this extends, you know, into the cosmos, much much beyond the twelve inches. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, depending on, you know, where you want to travel. Um, but we say if we don't embody our life form fully, then something or someone else will. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's a void because you're not Mm -hmm. fully embodied in who you are. You're not fully living in your full life form. And yoga nidra is, I think, without compare, the most powerful, universally um effective technique um, that enhances your physical body so um i i feel this is a technique that will balance all energies in the body which means it is a practice of healing you know for sure so it affects the physical and i'm going to want to ask you about that but it It affects the spiritual, the energetic, um, and it is the most pleasing practice. (laughs) So I remember Bihar would say like something like 45 minutes of yoga nidra is equal to four hours of deep REM sleep. So you know way more about the subject than I do. Um, But tell me what your awareness is about uh, the physical benefits and also that um, rejuvenation aspect of yoga nidra.
1: Yeah. So if we think about um, the brain waves, we're going through just as we are going through the states of consciousness as we understand them in in yogic philosophy, we're also traveling through the brain states. So you know we're moving from beta, which is what we're in right now, and maybe if someone's listening and they're kind of hanging out, relaxing and listening to this, they're in more of a low beta state. Um, but the moment we close our eyes and we start to bring our awareness inward um, and focus on our breathing, then we're moving more into alpha, right? And from alpha, we can start to allow the body to relax because we're, we're being guided mostly in Yoganidra through some sort of systematic relaxation. Um, many different traditions have different ways and different um, kind of body maps that they go through to to relax the body. But we're relaxing the body and we're starting to move into this delta state. And, you know, they've done experiments where they've hooked up yogis to the EEG and they've realized that the dominant brainwave state is either delta, which is very common for people who meditate, but also theta. Mm. And theta really says that all external awareness has been cut off. You shouldn't be able to be in this deep, deep dreamless sleep or theta state and be able to uh, kind of recount what people in the room have said while you're in this state. But yet that's what people who have been part of these experiments have shown that they've been in these deep theta states, yet that part of us that is always awake and aware is awake within them. And they're able to be, to really talk about, oh, this is what was said in the room while I was in my Yoganidra practice, while you were showing on the EEG that I was in theta. And as we know, delta and theta states, those are the states that are the rejuvenative states. Those are the healing states. So Yoganidra really is a practice of self-healing. And at the same time as we are journeying through those brainwave states, we're also journeying through the koshas. And so the koshas are, the word kosha means sheath or layer. And if we think about the sheath or the layer, what is the sheath or the layer covering? It's actually covering our radiance, Mm -hmm. right? So it's said that there's Mm -hmm. these five sheaths. And so part of the yogic um, practice and it is to transcend these Mm -hmm. koshas Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and our identification with these koshas, with the physical body with the energy body, with the mental body, the wisdom body starts to give us more information about our beliefs and the mental constructs. And then we move into the bliss body. And some teachings even say that the bliss body is even a sheath, that there's one more sheath that needs to be transcended, which is the sheath of the ego. And that's when we can really move into this place of our inner knowing and into the void. So, This practice of nidra is a self-healing practice because I believe that it brings us to a place of becoming sensitive to our prana and then becoming aware of prana. And as you kind of alluded to about the cosmos, Mm -hmm. we also know that prana follows thought. And so some of the deepest practices of um, Yoga Nidra and some of the teachings is really allowing your consciousness to merge with another's consciousness.
0: It's gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Every aspect of it. It's it is really, really a treasure. And you know, I often say that the yogic techniques give us shelter from the storms. Uh, in this human condition, and uh-huh. you know, you and I know you and I both share. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have my yogic practices. And you know, yoga nidra is a less known, way less known than asana, than yoga, than mindfulness practices. And it's so why I'm just so elated. I'm so thrilled that you have created and allowed this to come through you in your own way in a new expression, uh, from a goddess powerhouse radiant woman. Hmm. And, um, I'm just, I, I just thank you so much for, for doing this because it's truly, truly an extraordinary support for this beloved planet for humanity that I know that we both and, and many of us love so, so dearly. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for saying so. It, it, it is the
1: practice that we all deserve. <laughs> it, it, it really is. I mean, it's like we deserve to, to first of all, rest, right? Which is one of the, the great benefits of this practice is that we get to experience this incredible rejuvenation and deep, deep rest. And the other is that it's our birthright to taste our true nature and to know who we really are. And this is just one, many practices, there are many practices that you can do that lead you there. But this is one of those practices that you can literally lie down, receive, and just awaken.
0: How many times a day do you recommend? I remember I was in a a tantric uh, teaching with a group and actually with Shiva Ray is where I first Mm -hmm. learned it from a teacher we were both working with. And, um, uh, we were doing it twice a day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which I know is ambitious, but but what do you, what do you recommend and, and how do you, how do you recommend for people to enter into this practice?
1: Yeah. So I recommend practicing once a day. If you can practice twice a day, that's great. Um, but the two pr- places where it might be easiest to practice, because I know that most of us are householders and we have responsibilities, and taking carving out, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes during your day might seem um, like it's not doable. But there is this space of Nidra that happens naturally from the moment that we move from sleeping into waking. There's this hypnopompic state. And that's really the place that we kind of go to, that we hover in when we are in Yoga Nidra. So I would recommend kind of setting your alarm clock maybe for 15 or 20 minutes earlier than what you normally would wake up and use that space of first thing in the morning to to practice Yoga Nidra. The next really potent place to practice is definitely before going to sleep. And so you could also take your practice to bed with you and practice it before going to sleep. You mentioned that sometimes people will fall asleep. And so we we just need to become aware that when we're in the practice, we can allow our body, our physical body to fall asleep and even the mind to fall asleep. But it is the awareness, our consciousness stays awake and aware. So if you get to the point in practice where you start to feel, and you'll start to become more sensitive to this as you practice, where you start to notice, oh, my breath is starting to change. And I'm actually feeling like I really want to fall asleep. You can just kind of mentally say to yourself, the practice is now complete and I'm going to sleep and turn over. And go to sleep and this actually helps people a lot of times with insomnia i know that there's many people who use the practice of yoga nidra to help them feel rested if they haven't been able to sleep or to fall asleep and so i have a lot of tips in my book as to how to weave these practices in during your day even if you only have three minutes there's a way that you can practice and if you have longer then you can listen to or be guided by a teacher I know you have yoga nidra recordings, and my book also comes with six downloadable practices. So you know there's lots of yoga nidra guides out there, um, and as you continue to practice, I think the deepest experiences that I've ever had with yoga nidra have been when I've self-guided myself. So mm-hmm. getting used to the practice, and then eventually starting to just kind of notice, what can I do? How can I relax my body from my toes to the top of my head? And how can I focus on my diaphragmatic breath? And then how can I just rest in the heart center and let everything go and just practice non-doing?
0: That's magnificent. Yeah. And so just to remind you, so you will be guided through this visualization, that voice, Tracy's gorgeous voice. Um, You guys should all pick up her book. Um, It is just an amazing, amazing practice. You will want to get very familiar with this and bring this into your practice. It is the ultimate sleep aid um, because you're, you're working on your consciousness. You're not just trying to go to sleep. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like multi-layered. It's like super packed with, with the, you know, life evolution. Um, So, um Tracy's beautiful voice will guide you through and then as you use it for a year or two um then it's just good because you have it within you and so wherever mm-hmm. you are you can just do yoga nidra and um it's a sweet story uh, uh a um, Swami Vidya Dishananda who is a renunciate monk uh, a Vedic monk and master from the Himalayas uh, he tells a story that there is a monk from his order in the in the Himalayas who never sleeps. Mm. Um, he never sleeps, like ever. Uh, but and he and he says it's kind of unsettling because when he goes to India, sometimes he'll wake up and he'll be standing over his bed, like looking at him. <laughs> but he says the only thing that this monk yogi does is a short yoga nidra, leaning on the door jamb once a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. there's, there's lots of stories around that. There's a couple of teachers in my lineage who, when they were studying for their PhDs, they would practice yoga nidra a couple of times a day to help them get through all of the studying and the sleepless nights, and they would sleep like maybe two, three hours a night.
0: That's so amazing. And when you created your own yoga nidra, um, Trace, I'm interested interested to know because like the Bihar practices have a very specific imagery of different things, and it's very multi-layered and very deep and complex what those things mean. Um, but did you modernize the symbolism? Did you take your own sort of path with it creatively? What What was your approach?
1: Mm. That's a great question. So, so all of the practices in my book have at the foundation, the teachings from the Himalayan tradition. So I'm not making anything up necessarily as far as like symbols, because we don't use symbols in that tradition. What we are doing though, is we're focusing on breath, systematic relaxation The marma points as a pratyahara practice, and then moving into this place where we can become so still and aware of prana and surrender to the earth beneath us. So it's a very, I would say it's a very kind of feminine form, yoga nidra practice that I'm sharing in this book, um, that we allow ourselves to follow prana back to its source.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that they're feminine oriented, you know, definitely that is what is relevant right now. I mean, of course, we have both masculine and feminine within us, but the world is at a point of grand transition and uh, bringing the the feminine ways into the forefront is is key. So I love hearing that. I just love hearing that. Um, and then so so when they get the book, there's like a link then that they then can go and grab those practices? Do they stream them or download them? Or how does that work? Yeah, they can stream the practices. If you go to page
1: 102 in the book, um, it has the link to the practices on Shambhala uh, Publications website. So you can get those practices and start doing them before you even (laughs) start reading the book. Um, there are some people who have gotten the audio book um, and they say they listen to it before they go to sleep and it helps them sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're, that's you, right? I got lucky enough to be able to narrate Yay, the book. Yes. That's yes, the
0: best. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Amazing. Okay. So I wanted to dive into a very important subject um, through the lens of our spiritual beingness and I wanted to know if you could offer a little bit of your heart essence, your, your wisdom about how spirituality can be a form of activism. Mm. At this moment, uh, my husband, Rich Roll, is in Minneapolis. He's covering the George Floyd trials and there, meeting people, speaking to people. And then we've had another brutal tragic, you know, violent taking of a of a beautiful boy, Dante Wright. So how do we how do you balance your your journey into embodying consciousness in a world with so much trauma and suffering? That's a really important question and I'm glad
1: that you're asking it. You know, the first thing that I would say is The practice of yoga is literally the dismantling of things that are constructs, and it is literally the decolonization of the mind, Mm. if you're really doing deep practices that incorporate yogic philosophy. Yes. And so... On an individual level, I believe it's really important to do these practices because you get to see where do these beliefs come from and how do they shape your own personal life? And, and it could be a simple belief like, you know, I need to be small and invisible to be safe, right? Yeah. So if you take that, that one construct, it's like, how does that inform the whole of your life? How does that inform how you treat other people? How does that inform who you choose to be in relationship with and how you choose to be in relationship with them? And once you begin to be able to use those practices of yoga, especially the practices of tantra and the practices of laya yoga, which is the practices of dissolution, you begin to see how you can heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. And as you see how you can heal yourself, you become more aware of what is actually happening in the world, how these various vibrations and frequencies play out and how they form constructs that actually hold us in place. And so white supremacy would be one of those constructs. Yes. And so I think the other thread of practice is that when we're doing deep, authentic practice, and I'm talking about yoga beyond asana, that we also become aware of what our dharma is. And when we're aware of what our dharma is, we, we actually, I feel, become propelled to act on it. And as we act on our Dharma, we are able to be able to be a force for change in the world in whatever way that resonates and is true for us. So for some of us that might be going out into the streets and protesting. For some of us that might be being at home doing ritual and praying. And for some of us, it may be holding space for those people who are out there doing the work of activism. And I believe that it's all activism if you bring your consciousness and your full heart to be able to make a change. So for me, I, I have a lot of um, friends and students that are the ones that are on the front lines that are doing anti racism work, that are doing work to dismantle these systems that are out there protesting. And for me, my, I know that my dharmic path is about sharing these practices that will help to heal them and keep them alive so that they can keep doing the work and remind them of their inherent joy and remind them that there's a part of us that is always thriving, even in the face of such horrible horrible injustices we have to be able to touch into the joy to the radiance that is there that you said earlier is eternal that that eternal radiance is not touched by any circumstance it's not touched by any conditioning It was there before we had a name and it will be there when we no longer have a body. So I think that the way that we can be activists looks different for each of us. And I think that we need to uncover what is our superpower. And the way that it has worked for me in this lifetime to uncover my superpower has been through the practice of yoga and the consistent practice of yoga and a deep, deep desire to keep learning and keep knowing and keep sharing in a way that can make a difference.
0: That's gorgeous. It's just, just beautiful, beautifully, beautifully expressed. Um, And I feel that, yeah, um, you know, my water tiger community, my spiritual mentorship It's a way to no way and about embodying. Um, I I took like a year off social media about a year ago because I was touched deeply about the level of garbage, of electronic garbage that was being put out into the field. Mm -hmm. And I felt compelled, Tracy, to to make sure that what I was putting out was intentional, that it was useful, Mm -hmm. that it was... um, you know, applicable uh, across many diverse life forms. And so I created this water tiger portal, which is really a way to know way. It's a spherical body of techniques. Um, some a lot like yoga nidra or visualizations or alignment or embodiment. There's all kinds of things. Um, and my feeling or my awareness was that if we, each one of us on the planet that are alive in all different forms and all of our uniqueness. If we can drop into the truth of that authentic life print, then we will spontaneously bless all life. And so you just so eloquently um, stated that, that it's about each of us finding out what is our individual design you know, what, it, what is the thing that we were made to do that is unlike any other life form? And by the way, there is no other life form like any of us. So if creation wanted a consensus or wanted everybody to do the same program, we would have been exactly alike. But not, no one is alike. So within finding that genius, you're right. Activism takes many, many flavors. And I love my friend Guru Singh would say to me, all are needed, all are needed. Yeah, that, and that is the real
1: medicine right there, is that all are needed. So whether it's your prayer or your dollar or your protesting or your training people in anti-racism or your learning, because your learning is also, I believe, a part of activism is saying, I don't know and i'm ignorant and i want to learn more right whatever that is though we all need to be there anybody who's who has a desire to wake up or is awake um you you that's that's part of the plan that's it that's part of uh that's part of making sure that we can all be free because we can't we can't be liberated individually mm-hmm. right unless we're all free
0: yes Yes. Yes. And, and, uh, you know, I worked with an individual yesterday in private session who was an activist, and they were experiencing, um, connecting with a lot of violence that they had inside of themselves that was not, you know, they, they realized they had so much turmoil. And what we were working on is that embodiment of the awareness into neutral, loving compassion, when you are fully embodied in who you are and you are merged with conscious awareness at at various levels, it allows you your capacity to be an activist is exponential. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are embodied, and that gives you the stability and the wisdom and the vision and the heart and the energy that you need to be an exponential force. Um, So again, I was talking about on uh, Rich's last podcast that I was guested on and I was so happy. We were able to give a shout out to Tracy and (laughs) in radiant rest and, and um, the subject of that podcast was the power of knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and there's nothing more, powerful, beautiful, radiant, magnificent, effective, creative than a being that knows itself. And you cannot hide from yourself. So each one of us has a self-responsibility of the experience of life that we have incarnated into. And it's not about anybody else giving it to you. And this requires a dedicated devotional repeated return to wanting to know yourself, to wanting to connect, to wanting to go beyond your illusion, your miasms, your ancestral patterns, these things that we even come into as a human collective. And yoga nidra is maybe the most powerful technique to guide you there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, when you truly know yourself, you're not imprisoned by the opinions of others and the expectations of others. You really can blossom. And it's exactly echoing what you said about exponential, right? It's like you can blossom into your fullness. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe that's why we're here on this planet.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tracy, where can we find you? <laughs> you can always find her meditating, actually. Yeah, you could definitely find right now. I'm I'm staring at a
1: mountain, but you can you can find me on my website, which is tracy with two e's yoga.com. Um you can find more information out about the book at radiantrest.com. Um I have a, a community called Empowered Life Circle. Um, that we'll be launching in May um, where we'll be doing weekly um, and monthly rituals and practices and just deepening community, a, a way to kind of get off of the social media and really get into deep practice together over periods of time. Those are the two best places to find me.
0: Do you have any film projects in the works? Oh, you you know, it's so funny
1: that you <laughs> asked that question at the moment i'm looking into a story um about water and the pueblo community here in santa fe that as i was buying property just kind of came into my awareness about the the rights of water and who owns the water and the aquifers that run under this beautiful land and and basically the court case that happened to return these rights to the indigenous people. So I'm kind of playing with looking through this to see if that might be a um, possible film project for the future. So thank you for asking. So
0: Tracy's an extraordinary filmmaker, film producer, and she has a whole career in the entertainment industry prior to her becoming a spiritual teacher. Um, But it's so divine and synchronistic that you would, you would present that answer because now I would just want to mention that on the same podcast that I mentioned you on with Rich, I also mentioned this initiative for the Hopi Nation mm-hmm. uh, about water. <laughs> I listened so, to that. Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, you know they they wouldn't give mining rights on their land. Very mm-hmm. sacred people, very multidimensional people, and there's many myths and. and I will I'll say myth, myths for the readers it's not myths to me but there's many experiences of of time travel and them you know moving uh, multidimensionally and they their water is contaminated and so through all the help of the listeners and you guys and Shreemu, we've been able to help them raise over thirty thousand dollars to date but the interesting thing that I want to share with you and we have to keep in touch is that in a um, in an oracle session, Hmm. it was brought forth that there are ley lines, latitude and longitude lines in the Hopi area, and the Hopi nation, that are directly connected into a timeline in Egypt, Hmm. and that we are doing some alchemical work through some paintings that I'm creating with my dear friend, Brian O'Hara. And we are uh, doing some reclamation and some transformation through timelines on those water lines. So isn't that fascinating that this yes. project <laughs> that you're considering has to do with water? So something yes. is really becoming forefront with regards to water and this planet. Absolutely, absolutely. That sounds incredible.
1: I would definitely love to know more about it, and I definitely made my donation from your last. Oh, thank uh, you, your, love. Yeah, thank absolutely, absolutely. And I hope that people continue to donate because these are these are very serious issues. Yeah. And you know, these indigenous peoples were here long before we were. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on stolen land, and and uh,
0: they need their water. And they're here to protect it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my dear, my dear, dear, it's just um, such a privilege to spend these precious moments of life together. I hope that I can see you in flesh sooner than later. I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and again, I'm just, uh, knowing that you're here doing the work that you're doing is a, is a great comfort, Tracy. So thank you for your heart and your presence and your love.
1: Thank you, Srimati. I'm so grateful for your time and just for this space, um, to be able to share and connect with you. And I, I definitely hope to see you soon.
0: Mm, Definitely. We'll make it happen. Lots of love. So if you guys want to connect with me, check out juliepyatt.com. Check out my Water Tiger community. It's $33 a month. It's a way to no way. You can just tap in whenever you want. We have a beautiful community of powerful, powerful, spiritually ignited individuals who are finding the alignment with who they really are. So feel free to come. All are welcome. And until next time I post a podcast, which I don't know when that will be, I'm sending you all my love, and just please remember that even if no one else believes in you, I believe in you to find your way into living your most authentic life. How could it be otherwise? You are a divine emanation of God. Be well. Take care. Namaste.
1: A space you can go where the light never goes out, a place where the waves wash everything away. And all that is left is what is here to stay. And from this place we sing praise. We rejoice and give thanks, knowing that one day we'll all come home to the very same place. So if you feel the spark, then hold it close until it fills your whole soul. Let it shine on every mountaintop so that everyone will know it's the same light in them.